0: Meow, meow,
1: <laughs>
0: meow, meow, meow,
1: meow, 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 meow,
0: meow,
1: I don't get it. How's it going, Paul?
0: Good. How are you, Fonda? I'm very well. well welcome back, listeners, to uh, I don't get it—the name of our podcast about contemporary dance in Edmonton. Well, we've decided we have
1: kind of are going to cover all sorts of dance. You're right. And dance
0: that is happening in Edmonton.
1: But really, the joke is on contemporary dance. Yeah,
0: because well, I don't know dance very well, um, despite being Vues uh, Arts editor. Um, dance is not my forte, particularly. So, so that was. Part of the reason for this podcast coming to be.
1: Yeah, I'm Views dance writer. Yeah, you, you do
0: know dance. <laughs>
1: and I kept telling Paul that he should go see more dance, hence hence the birth of this cast.
0: And here we are, proud parents of a second right. episode of a podcast.
1: Yeah, so this episode we're going to be talking about Mile Zero Dance's latest salon mm-hmm. um, that was titled Spontaneous Combustion. Right, yes. right.
0: and also um, Alberta Ballet's presentation of Sleeping Beauty.
1: Yes. All right, so you want to start with the salon. You did this one on your own.
0: Yeah, I was there by myself. Miles um, uh, Zero Dance's salon was called Spontaneous Combustion, and it wasn't so much a specific dance show, um, but more of a variety show focused around the idea of improvisation. So there were, there were a few dance acts as part of... Uh, uh, Eight different performances that were part of the show, um, but uh, but a lot of them were not dance. Some of them were purely music. Um, there was one that involved film projection. There was there was improvised comedy and more in, and more of a theatrical style. Um, And there were a few dance shows to to round it out.
1: Yeah, and we should kind of premise it by saying, um, well, what a salon is. What
0: is a salon, So a
1: salon started out in, uh, the tradition started out in France. It was groups of artists that would get together, um, and they would either present their works or talk about it. So the word salon from the French salon.
0: Salon. Yeah,
1: um, for a living room or parlor is basically just a forum for conversation. Right, so, so it's more casual setting. basically. Yeah,
0: and in this sense, it was a lot about art talking to art. Uh, it seemed to me, anyways. So, so we had uh, we had an audience that was very willing to see uh, to see um, more uh, left of center artwork in in all its forms. They were really willing to experience what seemed like uh, the weirder the better, um, and yeah, I would say. I would say overall, um, as far as dance goes, again, there were maybe uh, three out of the eight on the bill were, were dance specific. Um, and in that sense, um, two of them felt very much like an idea being presented. There was uh, Out the Out to In the In" um, by Amy uh, Kubinek, uh, and that that was um, a short uh, improvised dance work. And then there was also um, a library by Miles Durer Dance themselves, and then also a uh, a, a uh, choose your own flamenco by uh, Rosanna Terracciano. Terracciano. Oh, yes. good, I got it right. Oh, good yes. work. <laughs> oh, okay, um, and that, that was those the fur, two of those were very short, and then and then library by by Dance um, was one of the standouts actually for me. Um, it was a really interesting um, take on on dance and setting it up. They set it up like um, the two dancers Jerry and Lynn were were librarians, and they had to get rid of all these books. And then um so these books were scattered across the stage, and then the audience was invited to come on stage and read those uh aloud, but not like they were presenting them, just to themselves, just to read what they were reading aloud. Um and well they the stage filled up and then there was sort of this cacophony of noise, and then among that the two dancers would sort of move and and work their way around. There was also a baby crawling around, which was <laughs> lovely and charming and stole so much focus. Um <laughs>
1: So did you go up on stage and read one of the books,
0: I, too? I did not. Um, not out of, I felt like I could have, though. It was a very inviting sort of situation. Um, it was more so that it filled up very quickly, and I decided to just watch it in, in this case. Um, but it was it was uh, really effective, I felt. It, uh, the, the the cacophony that sort of built with all these people uh, building their voices. It was very messy, but sort of beautifully messy. Um, so there were so many people reading that the dance wasn't always actually the focus. And then at the end, when the books started being taken away from people, it sort of uh, shrunk back down and we lost some of that magic. And I think that was part of the commentary of It's sort of budget cuts to the arts and, and specifically to, to libraries and that sort of thing. And we lose all these great stories that are being told. Um, was what stood out for me. Um, yeah, And but then there was also uh, things like Vipers Without Vapors were just two dudes with with modular synths making very loud, looping sounds, um, which really the audience was super into, even though, again, it wasn't very melodic music. We weren't talking about pop uh, music at all. Um, but there was that. Um, uh, uh, oh, yeah, uh, Lindsay McIntyre's... Uh, 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 film improvisation where she would have three or four projectors running and projecting these images overlapping on a screen, but then she would be physically manipulating the film and pouring paint on, on particular strips of it. And so we would be able to watch her doing that and also watch the projections um, of what the effects were. They were really almost hypnotic to watch, just mm-hmm. to to see how she was interacting with these things.
1: Yeah, yeah. I have to say that when I have seen people manipulate actual celluloid, Mm -hmm. um, it's always been really, really impressive. I know another Mile Zero dance collaborator, Patrick Arais-Pilon, he does stuff like that too, and yeah, you were saying that actually watching celluloid burn is...
0: Yeah, it was cool. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so she would have three or four streams going, and sometimes she would just stop it and let it burn through, and that was really uh, satisfying to watch and cool. And um, and yeah, just overall, it's hard to, in a variety show, to really, um, you know, praise or condemn much, um, just because everything's fairly short and we're just seeing um, clippets of what what feels like works in progress um, a lot of the time. But overall, I feel like um, spontaneous combustion as a whole really presented a, a really interesting collection of different types of art, um, and some of those were dance and interesting. But but more so, it was just the the idea of. Are getting a chance to showcase works in progress and get a little bit of audience feedback so then those artists can go and do whatever they're gonna do with that.
1: Showing clippets, I clip-its. like that.
0: Clippets, a new word.
1: If I, put that, if I put that in one of my pieces would you cut it and would you change it to snippets? No, I
0: would keep it as clippets. That's a new word.
1: That's guys. the one we've coined today. Yeah, that's Very it. Good. Made it. Alright, so knowing um, the last piece that you saw which was also um, the improvised dance. Um, right, which by, was the Brian Webb show. Yeah, Brian um, Webb and Nancy Sandercock. Um, how did you feel about the improvised movement in this
0: um in uh, it was oh yeah um i felt it was um in a way more understandable i felt like it it uh, it really worked in that i could whether or not it, it became resonant in in a way that was emotional or, or or intellectual um you could see them sort of working through things and trying things so in choose your own flamenco um, a number of traditional flamenco moves were paired up by, by the audience with traditional flamenco sounds, I guess, and, and the, the artist Rosanna got to sort of experience those in their own way. And, and, and not all of them worked, um, even, you know, even as she was writing down the pairings, she would say things like, oh no, this was the pair I didn't want to go together, <laughs> and that sort of thing. But, but you got the sense of people trying things, and, and it was exploratory. Um, and there's something you can really appreciate about that when it's very visibly they're trying these things and and not all of it yeah not all of it works but uh, but some of it does and you can see from here how they would refine that in in a more finished product later.
1: Cool. So would you go see another salon? You think
0: I would? Um, I thought it was just such a such an interesting conversation for art to be having with itself and, and uh, such an open invitation to different disciplines that I definitely would go see that again because the, the slate will always be varied and it seems like, uh, based on this one, that the, the types of artists and the caliber of artists involved is very high.
1: Great. So. Yeah. Well, you'll probably get another chance because Mile Zero is going to have another salon this season. Okay. Um, that one is going to happen on February first. It's mm. called. Actually, this one's called the Great Depression. Mm. So um, I'm hearing that the themes that they're going to be exploring are of the Dirty Thirties and mental illness. Right. So uh, that one should be interesting too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Definitely less improvisational, but definitely the the subject matter they're laying out is something else. Yeah.
1: Very cool. Well, good for you, Paul.
0: Great. Made it. That was one. (laughs) You weren't there for that, but you were there on Wednesday when we went to the Alberta Ballet.
1: Yes. So Alberta Ballet was presenting Le Grand Ballet Canadien de Montreal, um, which is a very long title for a dance company. I'm sure their Twitter handle is very
0: long. It's off the (laughs) channel.
1: So, yes. And they were presenting Mats Ek. Version of Sleeping Beauty, which is a contemporary take on the classical um, Tchaikovsky version.
0: Right, yeah. And Although so, the
1: music is Tchaikovsky, the original char- choreography right. was Petipa, I think.
0: Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, so so the music is intact from from that classic version, but the the story has been. Um, theatricalized, if that's a, if I can add enough suffixes to make that real, and uh, and sort of explored in in a very uh, what I felt was a very narrative way. It made it made a lot of sense to me. Um, I've never seen a ballet before, um, that's a truth. Um, but but the story was sort of Snow White at, or not Snow White, um, Sleeping Beauty. <laughs> that oh,
1: other one. <laughs> the other one. You know, <laughs> the other one
0: who fell asleep for a while. Um, Sleeping Beauty and. She is sort of born to middle-class parents, and her name is Princess Aurora. She's sort of a petulant teen, and uh, she eventually uh, rebels and and leaves home and and falls in with the wrong crowd of boys, and eventually... Uh, gets herself involved with this dealer junkie figure, so so in in I guess the fairy tale tradition, her 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 pinprick in this case is a heroin needle.
1: Yeah, and the parallel character to the as evil witch or evil stepmother is um, the drug dealer. So basically, so the first act gets to the point where she ends up being pricked by the heroin needle, and then the second act comes up and she's. Uh, on the street, living on the street basically as a junkie and so this is her hundred-year sleep. She right. she's caught in this kind of limbo of, of Living in uh, the uh, junkie life. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. so I guess what stood out to you Fonda? What stood out about uh, this presentation of, of uh, Sleeping Beauty?
1: Uh, first of all the the company um, is a stunning company. They're beautiful movers um, I quite uh, thought that all of the actual acting basically being done mm-hmm. was really good um, a lot of times you'll watch uh, ballet and kind of feel that the characters don't quite get there because the movement is just really what you're focusing on but this one they they had some pretty good performances um, Valentine Leggett who played Aurora um, was a great petulant junkie 16 year old she she was fantastic she had really nice movement quality a lot of really um, Defiant chest leading uh, with her movement, so um, her qualities were great. I also thought that Kara uh, Boss, the basically the the dealer, um, his movement was pretty pretty fantastic. He had mm-hmm. this kind of signature, which was sort of like a squatting hobble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that sounds like a fair yeah. way of putting it. He and would sort
0: of like yeah squat down and sort of like move.
1: Almost kind of like he was riding a horse that wasn't there. Yeah, like a, uh, or like a
0: crab walking forwards.
1: Yes, like a crab walking forwards. And they did a lot of crab walking in it, actually, as well. Yeah, <laughs> There yeah. was some more crab walking than I thought. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so Mats Ek, though, I guess we should say, is a Swedish choreographer Yes. Um, who has been um, these very famous Swedish choreographers. Yeah, he right? started
0: out more in theater. Um, he was involved in, in, in working with Ingmar Bergman, the legendary film director. Um, and, and theater director and and found his way to to dance through that and so fittingly this was a very theatrical take and in that sense the narrative was very clear there was no there was no issues for me in, in understanding any Almost any parts of it that were that were going on. Yeah. Um, and in fact, in the second half, got pretty crazy and, and less about dance and more about the narrative and the style that was going on.
1: Yeah. So um, they went really meta with the character of the prince. Mm-hmm. He's basically starts out as, as a plant in the audience, yelling yeah. about. Um, about how the dancing, sex. I don't get it, yeah, what is this?
0: <laughs> um, so, so, yeah, early on in the second half of the show, this man stands up and he starts shouting. He's dressed in a nice suit. Uh, he could definitely fit in uh, with with most of the crowd who'd been there, and then he's he comes up on stage and continues shouting in in the faces of the dancers. You know what is this? I don't yeah. I don't get it. How? And then you know to us, you know why are you paying for this? Ha ha ha!
1: Um, why are we paying for this? Nobody right. understands it. Sort of
0: making fun um, of, or I guess poking fun at you know mm-hmm. the the um, stereotypes of ballet being inaccessible.
1: Yeah, and, and at th- one point they actually stage a fake bit of Swan Lake right in front yeah. of. Him, they they drag him to his lambast. own seat.
0: Yeah, and he he sort of sits there with his arms crossed and watches like more traditional ballet play out for him. Mm-hmm. And then he's he's dragged off stage. He sort of walks off into the wings and then and then comes back um, with a gun and, yeah. and shoots the junkie. Uh, <laughs> The, the evil junkie who he, was, he
1: uh, emptied that cap gun into yes. into the uh into the um drug dealer yes it yeah. was
0: it was shocking um the audience definitely jumped because cap guns are loud and unexpected in ballet and i honestly Jubilee.
1: cannot recall a dance performance where i have heard a gun fired so well, um, let alone six great. or seven
0: or eight times he
1: emptied the entire cap yep. yep
0: um and then and then he becomes the sort of savior prince character he he takes her out out of her junkieism, and they, uh, in a sort of cyclical uh, turnaround, we end up sort of in a sort of like how she was born with her middle-class parents. We get to see um, a a sort of. Uh, parallel scene where her and her new man, her new husband sort of sit down at this table and everything is very like normal and neutral and she's come out of her spiral and then she gets pregnant again like her parents did. Uh, but then um, <laughs> Oh my god uh, uh, then the twist ending um, is is you know she she was born as this beautiful white egg is the first image we get of Princess Aurora <laughs> um, and then the child that Princess Aurora has is this purple egg which matches the, the Junkie's clothing choices. Um,
1: yes, his shoes were this bright purple, yeah, same his, as the crack baby yeah, egg. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and that
0: was, that was the the implication we took from that that this was her sort of crack baby that was born, and you know after she gives birth to it, she's sort of in these withdrawal or OD twitches, and the 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 prince picks up the the egg and sort of takes it away from her, and eventually. She crawls over and and grabs his legs, and that's the end. Um, you know. And I
1: have to say that the actual the the twitches that she was going through post post birth, mm-hmm. um, that was a kind of an incredible thing to watch actually. Because the thing about ballet is that it's all very tight and isolated and perfect, and to see this dancer just pretty much losing it. Yeah. Um, for a good minute or so, yeah, it, was, um,
0: it was not just a, like a, a twitch, and then she was done. She went for mm-hmm. a good long while.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, it was actually quite good. I'm, i I'm, I'm assuming right. she was probably pretty dizzy, but.
0: <laughs> yep, and that was certainly a jarring ending. The people behind me were, you know, as the, as the curtain came down, went, oh, that's not the end. And and that very much was the end. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, much to their chagrin, I'm sure. But um, so a bit of a, a bit of a dark take on on the the fairy tale, but but certainly um a very very interesting one to watch play out, especially in that second half. There was this weird non sequitur um, where after the prince has found Aurora and they've they've dealt with the the drug dealer. Out of nowhere, this this chef comes out, and for about five minutes, commandeers the stage. Not dancing, but with a big pot and this actual fish on stage, which he chops up while shouting with a
1: cleaver cleaver, on stage, a real
0: fish, while shouting to the audience about how you make fish head soup. Yes. Um, And then he just does that and then goes away.
1: Except he doesn't really make a soup. He just chops up a fish and puts it in the pot and then leaves after yelling. I hope they
0: (laughs) cooked soup with that afterwards. It would seem a terrible waste.
1: Yes. It looked like a really good fish. Yeah. Actually, it was was a nice size. Big
0: and... Yeah, but but they, that was that was a very uh, uh, non sequitur moment in the show, I felt.
1: Yeah. See, so I have a thought about this okay. because in the sleep original Sleeping Beauty ballet, mm-hmm. and also in the Disney movie, and in the fairy tale, okay. there is this sort of moment after the prince wakes up Aurora and slays the dragon, or the crazy, um, or the junkie. Yeah, red. or the junkie in this case when he after he shoots the ju- the um, drug dealer. Uh, where Aurora's household wakes up and they start preparing a big feast for mm. essentially the wedding that is supposed to happen between Prince and Aurora. Right. So I think that that was kind of a little bit of a take okay. on that. Yep.
0: I think in, in terms of this, it's certainly you would have to be well-versed in Sleeping Beauty <laughs> to pick up on that. But uh, it was certainly an interesting... Addition, although certainly perplexing, it was I felt
1: totally absurd. Yeah, totally oh, yeah. absurd. Yeah,
0: this whole second half felt fairly Python-esque a little bit, <laughs> with like the meta break of the prince, and then that there was certainly some some uh, absurdism.
1: Right. So never never having seen a ballet before this, um, how did you feel about the movement?
0: Uh, I thought it was. Um, it was very big, um, which sounds like such a ridiculous thing. But just these these dancers would sweep across the stage and jump and it would, you know, uh, trace shapes with their bodies and arms that were really, it was really interesting to watch and really um, engrossing, especially the bigger it went. There were these beautiful moments of flocking that would happen where uh, half the company would sort of come out all in the same costume and sort of do this... Uh, this beautiful, uh, synchronized dance together, um, both the men in, in one side and then the, uh, the women later on in the show would do this thing as, as one particular character. Um, that was just, it was gorgeous to watch. I think we're we're drawn to watching something like that where so many people are doing something that's clearly very well choreographed together. And those were, I'd say, the most engrossing moments for me when there was so much, like... Control on stage being exerted,
1: and that's really um, that's really kind of the most classical moments that you got with the show were these moments where the company comes out and they perform together, they're in sync, and it's it's very beautiful, it's stunning, and that's why um, that's why ballet continues to survive, and mm-hmm. why things like even river dance <laughs> happen, right. you know, because it is actually quite a, a primally pleasing thing to watch. Um, a lot of people doing something really cool all together.
0: Absolutely, yeah. So I'd say the, those were the, the highs for me. The theatrical parts were, were, were enjoyable and I get how if you had sort of a basis of, of ballet and were maybe even a little bit tired of the traditions of ballet. You know, Nutcracker happens every year by yeah. three or four different companies all across the world, not just in Edmonton. Um, how having something break from it so um, directly and, and sort of proudly um, would be sort of refreshing, I guess, in that take to have such a dark break. Um, in this case, what it made it made it very clear for me. It, it felt like uh, it felt like the Cole's note versions of ballet, the Cole's notes, just because it was like, ah, yes, okay, the narrative is super clear. It's very theatrical. It's very acted, rather than um, rather than uh, just told strictly through the dance, and uh, and yeah. So I think overall, I was I was impressed. Um, and and would definitely would want to see a more traditional ballet now, if only to compare it to something that breaks the rules a little bit. Can good, good see you. what I what I pick up on based uh, based on what I've seen now.
1: Yeah. So would you would you say that you got it? this I, time?
0: I would say that yes. I on the scale of I don't get it to I get it. Um, I got it. So, <laughs> <laughs> that is
1: fantastic, Paul
0: great i hope so
1: um up next i think next time we're actually going to mm-hmm. talk to annie dugan and john elliott from firefly theater yeah about their latest circus theater musical spectacle it's right. called craniatrium um which runs November 26th to december 8th at the arts barns and we're going to talk to them about um doing circus movement
0: right and constructing those sorts of shows and mm-hmm. So that'll be, ooh, an interview, an, a live interview, live in quotes, because this is a podcast.
1: Up next after that is Convergence, which is the mm-hmm. Good Women Dance Collectives. Um,
0: like a yearly show they yeah, do.
1: Yeah, they they bring in different choreographers every year, and they pr- usually also present one of their own works. Um, that one is December 5th to 7th at La Cité Francophone. Um, choreographers this year are Alida Nyquist-Schultz, who is with the Good Women, mm-hmm. um, Bridget Jessam, and Richard Lee, who is an honorary girl.
0: Uh, A good man.
1: (laughs) Yes, he is a good man. A good Mm -hmm. moving man. Mm -hmm. Um, Then uh, after that, if you're still looking for dance to see, Mile Zero is doing a presentation called Caged uh, by Andrew Harwood, and he he is um, exploring the music of John Cage.
0: John Cage. So, I I mean, I'm hoping for the 4 minute and 33 second silent dance, Mm -hmm. personally. (laughs) But... But we'll see. I guess we'll see. We'll see how they choose to interpret that.
1: We'll see what happens.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, until next time, everybody. You can find us on Facebook on the Facebook page. I don't get it.
1: Our Twitter handle is I don't get it dance.
0: And uh, and please leave your own thoughts about dance in Edmonton that you happen to see um, or or take in.
1: Yeah. Let us know if you get it.
0: Yeah. That's the big question.
1: <laughs> Thanks for listening.
0: Bye-bye. The I Don't Get It podcast is recorded under a table in a blanket fort in an apartment in Edmonton, Alberta.
1: It was recorded and edited by Andrew Paul. Our theme song is Mountain Time by Ghibli. And you can find more about Ghibli at ghibli.bandcamp.com. Sit here
0: you.